Welcome to episode 14 of the Rude Reason Podcast. My name is Brandon, and this is the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. Now, in this episode, we're going to dig into this concept of um, the simulation theory, or do we live in the Matrix or a video game like The Sims? So I most recently came across this idea um, on YouTube. I saw a clip of Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about this idea while he's being interviewed by a late night host, and he was talking about the probability that we live in a simulation, um, and kind of laid that out, you know, in that kind of short form deal. And then after that, I thought, okay, this is like he's a astrophysicist, like it's a legitimate scientist talking about this idea. Like there must be more to it. So I just searched it on YouTube and found lots of clips of not only him talking about more, but then other people kind of mentioning it, um, the probability that we live in a simulation, like a computer program type thing, and. Uh, I thought I'd make an interesting podcast episode as I got more interested in this idea and digging into it. So as I you know, thought about it and how to work it into a podcast episode that would be relevant for uh, practical applications of the Christian worldview, I thought, why not take the four tests that Four Lines talks about in his book that I've referenced on here multiple times about his apologetic, um, his apologetical uh, approach he takes and ask those questions uh, that he asked to test these meta-narratives or worldviews and see how the simulation theory uh, holds up under that kind of test. And to refresh kind of what those four questions are that we're going to look at today is, one, does it answer the inescapable questions of life? Two, is there internal consistency? Meaning, is there a logically structured um, foundation? Three, is there causal adequacy? Meaning, are the causes adequate to produce the effects that are being attributed to then, and four, does it conform to that which is undeniably true? And so in doing my research on this hypothesis, I came across uh, just different uh, apologists and theologians that have kind of tackled the simulation theory from different respects. So I'm, I'm going to rely on some of their information. So like Dr. William A. Craig, uh, Dr. James Anderson, and then a, a podcast that I actually listened to, which you guys should check out too, called The Worldview Legacy. Um, did an episode on this, uh, I think it was like five years ago, and I just came across it um, the last couple weeks, checking more of this stuff out. So I'm going to link all those sources in the show notes just so you guys can get to them too, because there's going to be even more information kind of wrapped up in what they're talking about. But they, uh, yeah, they, they were some of the people that I used researching this topic and kind of looking at it from a Christian worldview standpoint. So it's going to be a very nuanced uh, position. There's lots of theories and ideas, exactly how it might all work out. But it seemed like generally the kind of, if I could break them down into the three categories, and, and James Anderson does the same thing in his work on the topic, um, is the simulation theory can be broken into three aspects. One, it's like kind of like the video game The Sims, I don't know if you ever played that or not, um, but it's, where we're, it's all <clears throat> just part of a, uh, a video game. It's all a simulation, like we're not even real um beings that exist outside of the simulation. So it's like a video game in that respect of our existence is fully ingrained in the computer programming. Um, the second kind of more major one is that we live in something like the Matrix. So a difference would be that you know, with the Sims, we exist solely in the program. But in a thing like the Matrix, you know, we, we exist in the simulation or we're experiencing the simulation, but we exist as beings in the, the real world, uh, you know, outside of the computer program. Where, you know, if you've seen the movies, you know, Neo can be unplugged from the program and be in the real world. 
the third category that I've kind of seen these broken down to a lot is that we are uh, basically brains in a computer. Um, and so it's different from the first scenario, the, the sim scenario, where uh, we actually exist um, separately from the experience of the simulation itself. But unlike the matrix scenario, we don't exist independently of the simulation. We're part of the computer or part of the contraption or machine that is creating the simulation. So we're not going to ask all four questions of each of the three kind of subcategories of simulation theory, but we're going to ask at least one question from each of those three subcategories and kind of show how um, sims, the matrix, and like a brain in a computer uh, fail to answer these questions that Four Lines thinks that any um, legitimate, consistent, and potentially true worldview or meta-narrative must answer um, to pass that test, to be one of the considerations for us. So we're going to start by asking question number one. Does it answer the inescapable questions of life? And we're going to apply that question to um, the theory that we're kind of like a Sims, uh, a fully virtual computer program. So what are some of these inescapable questions um, of life that we're asking? Or things like um, questions on morality. Is there truly right and wrong, good and evil? Questions on you know purpose and meaning to life. Um, questions about uh, the origin of the universe and these kind of deep um, questions that most people have about why we're here, why we exist. Again, do we have a purpose? What's our origin? Those kinds of questions is what we're asking uh, uh, from a worldview to see if they have the answers for those things or even the tools in place that would help somebody come to answers and, and cope with life as we know it. So if we're in a simulation like The Sims, if we're fully virtual beings with no existence independent of the machine or even uh, built into the machine, but we're, we're fully zeros and ones virtual following our program, does that type of meta-narrative or overarching lens to view the world answer any of these questions about morality, consciousness, uh, right and wrong, origins, purpose? Uh, I think it's pretty clear to say that no, it offers uh, no answers. It honestly probably doesn't even attempt to answer any of those questions. If we're not real, if we're just programmed simulations, there's no such thing as right and wrong. There's no thought to any true meaning of life um, outside of what the program has established for us, but that's not uh, a true meaning. Uh, we don't have any purpose. Uh, there's clearly no life after death. Um, those questions of the heart, those questions that keep us up at night, those types of things, uh, it, this idea that we're sims in a, in a program can't even begin to probably understand the questions, let alone provide any kind of adequate answers or satisfactory answers to them. So let's look at question two. And let's ask question two, is there internal consistency? Let's ask that question um, about the brains in a computer scenario that's proposed sometimes. And the biggest problem that I've come across and been convinced of is that in that uh, version of the theory, any knowledge that's gained, um, any argument that's going to be formed to help promote 
or show the probability of the theory itself, any any logical argumentation is going to be used to try to show that yes, we're we're in a simulation, we're we're brains uh, built into a computer that's assuming our experiences. Um, all of that's going to come from the simulation itself. So as uh, James Anderson critiques in the article I'm going to share in the show notes, he talks about that you have to presuppose uh, a lot of things to even formulate these arguments and make sense of uh, the arguments for the simulation theory, that you have to presuppose that you know what a brain is, that you have accurate information about what a computer is and what it can do, and that those things can come together to form a simulation uh, but we don't. We wouldn't have access to any of that real reality outside the simulation because we're stuck inside the computer, inside the simulation. So any argument you're going to make is going to be self-defeating because it relies on premises that you just can't know being stuck in the simulation. Again, you can't know what a brain is and how brains work. You might know how they work in the simulation or how we think they work, but we don't know if that correlates to the actual computer brain in a computer that's creating the simulation to begin with we don't we know what computers are like in the simulation but that doesn't say anything about what they're like in the real world and so it's not internally consistent to say oh look at all this evidence for us being in a simulation well that's just a simulation you don't know if any of this stuff actually correlates to anything outside of the simulation and you have no way of knowing that so it internally defeats itself it's self-contradictory. You know, essentially, we can't trust the reasoning that's used to try and come to say the simulation theory is true or even prob probably true or probabilistically more likely because that truth and that reasoning is just part of the simulation. We have no idea how it correlates to anything outside of, of our experience of the simulation. So let's look at uh, question three. Is there causal adequacy? Um, and for this one, we'll just apply it to the matrix idea, the matrix subcategory here. Um, so the theory that we live in a sort of matrix simulation where we truly exist in a real world independent of the machine, but all of our experiences are simulated inside of that machine, inside of the matrix. And again, the biggest problem I see uh, with this idea or theory is that we still exist independent of the machine. And so as a, as a theory or as an idea, one of the you know, most common things I see is that it's, it's presented as a, a problem or a skeptical argument against um, you know, Christianity or against uh, biblical worldview type stuff to say, well, Christianity is not true because we're probably just a simulation inside of a machine that we can be you know, unplugged from, again, the matrix idea, but to to posit that the matrix explains our existence and our purpose and uh, our epistemology, those kinds of things, all it does is push the question back one step. So it's not actually answering any of these questions about uh, being, about consciousness, about existence, about reality. It's, you know, the Christian worldview has answers to our origins and to consciousness and to our purpose, things like that. Um, but inside the matrix, it's you're saying, oh, no, we, we live in a matrix. Okay, let's say we grant that for the sake of the argument. Well, we still exist independent of the machine, so you still have to answer how 
our existence independent of the machine uh, has consciousness, um, how we're even existing there at all, how we can have coherent experiences uh, even inside the simulation. So you still, all you've done is just push the question of origins, push the question of our existence and all that stuff. You just pushed it back one step, but you haven't actually answered anything by suggesting we live in a matrix. And so since we just pushed the question back one step, I would just default back to, well, we have good arguments and reasons and evidence to think that God exists, and particularly that the Christian God exists. And so if we have good arguments and reason and evidence for why the Christian God exists, and that the Bible is true, well, it means if the Bible is true, that means the matrix theory is false. And so if we have good argument, evidence, and stuff that the Bible is true and Christianity is true, that defaults that the matrix theory is false. And if you have no argument for why the matrix theory is true, because you're just pushing everything back one step, you still haven't explained how we exist um, independent of the machine, so you still have all these same questions, it just doesn't hold up. So a quick little break. As you may have noticed, the audio quality should have gotten a lot better. I recorded about 14 minutes this episode, not realizing that my computer defaulted to the headphone mic for the headphones I use while I'm listening to the playback and not the actual microphone I use to record these things. So, um, yeah, I, th I think the audio quality is good enough to leave it in there because I don't really feel like re-recording 15 minutes worth of stuff. Um, but yeah, the audio quality should get a lot better. Sorry about that, guys. So let's ask the final question. Does any of this conform to what we know, that which is undeniably true? Now, and I think it's plain to see that any formulation of the theory denies things that we know to be true, namely that um, we exist. So any of these scenarios would be that we don't, either we don't truly exist, like in the Sims version, that we, that we don't actually exist. Well, we know that's, we know that's deniably untrue. Like we, no, nobody thinks that they don't actually exist. Um, you know, for the other version, like a, a brain and a computer, we have to say that we can't trust our sense experiences. We can't trust our memory. Um, we can't formulate arguments from reality around us. Uh, and so basically it's made knowledge unattainable. We can't tell anything apart from the simulation to the outside world. Uh, and then the theory doesn't offer any explanation for things like consciousness, experiences again, uh, things of that nature. So we're left with, um, we must not truly exist and any worldview that concludes that we don't actually exist or that we can't actually gain knowledge is not worth uh, our time to spend uh, living by. I think it's it's unlivable to live in under a worldview where you think that you don't actually exist or you can't actually gain knowledge. Um, you, can, you don't actually have access to truth. Like those things are, are undeniably true that we have access to those things. So now let's turn and look and see what Scripture actually tells us um, about creation, about the reality that we live in, and we'll see uh, pretty quickly and pretty easily that you know, the Christian worldview, uh, as Bible-believing Christians, clearly tells us simulation theory is not true and is false. So the easiest and uh, first example where we should start, Genesis 1.1, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, well right there, we know simulation theory is false because God has created the heavens and the earth, not a computer simulation. If we go from there, Romans one twenty, for since the creation of the world, his invisible, invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, 
so that we are without excuse. So again, we see that from the creation of the world, so we have God creating the world, an actual real reality, and through that we learn about his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature. Those things have been clearly seen. Well, in the simulation theory, either we don't exist, so God didn't create us, or we can't trust our experiences because we're stuck in the simulation and we don't know what they mean to the outside world. Well, no, that's not true because God tells us in his word that through creation, through reality, we can learn these things about God. We see his attributes and divine nature and we understand them through what's been made. So creation leads naturally to a knowledge of God and many, as we've seen in the simulation hypothesis or theories, um, basically destroy knowledge of any kind, uh, but they definitely don't lead to a knowledge of God. Colossians 1, starting in verse 15, reads, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we see that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation, that by him all things were created. They were created through him and for him. And so we're not living in a simulation created by a computer or a program or a computer programmer or anything of that nature. We know from Scripture, God's revelation to us, that Christ is the centerpiece of our creation, that he is the one that created all things. that have been created for him, so we even see a purpose of why reality exists, why things were created. They were created for him. He's before all things, and he holds all things together. So we're not reliant, again, on a computer to keep the simulation going so that we can continue to exist in some kind of virtual world. We see in Scripture that we're taught and told that Christ holds all things together. So Scripture, time and time again, assumes a true, real reality. It assumes that we're not in a simulation. It assumes that everything was created by God. That's what we're told by his revelation to us. And as Christians, we stand on his word. We stand on Scripture as the foundation of our worldview. Scripture tells us that God has a plan and a purpose for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This doesn't work in a simulation. It's directly against this idea that we're computer programs. You know, God has a purpose and a plan for us in the real world. So again, Scripture time and time again just assumes that reality, that creation are real and that we're part of them, we're experiencing them, and God has purposefully placed us in them for our benefit and ultimately for his glory. So we see um, that we have purpose, that we have meaning, that there's a plan for our lives given to us by God, created for us by God. We see that we can have true knowledge and true experiences of the world because God has created us in such a way that we learn things about him from creation, that we experience him through creation. So while it may be a interesting or fun brain teaser to think, oh, do we live in the matrix? It might be a, a fun conversation to have, uh, you know, out 
getting drinks with somebody, hanging out. Um, we see ultimately that it doesn't provide any kind of foundation to be a true competitor to Christianity. We see that the Christian worldview alone can answer these questions of purpose that's logically consistent, um, that has it adequately explains reality. Um, we, you know, we see these things. So the submission theory, again, while it'd be an interesting, you know, thought problem or uh, like a fun little uh, wasting some time on a Friday night just to speculate about what's going on. Uh, ultimately, we see that it's not a real challenge to the Christian worldview. It falls apart rather quickly and easily just just in a handful of minutes thinking about it. And as biblically-based Christians, as the Scripture as our foundation for our worldview, Scripture itself tells us that we don't live in a simulation. It tells us that our experiences are real, that we've been designed with a purpose and a plan, that creation points us to true knowledge of God. So what's the big takeaway I think I'd like you guys to get from this? It's that um, when new ideas or things you're unfamiliar with you know, come at you, we're not going to have answers for every question that we're asked on the spot. Uh, but I wanted to point out that you know, with this situation, it was it was pretty new to me. I hadn't thought about it much um, before coming across that video. And then over the last maybe month, you know, I've spent a little bit of time digging into it, but not a crazy amount. But the idea is uh, that we're not, it's obvious that we're not a program running in some alien's uh, machine that he's got in his mom's basement. Like that's not our reality and that while we can use the tools God has given us in our in our reasoning and our thinking and our thought processes and the our experiences and our evidence around us uh, to show how this meta narrative or worldview of a simulation doesn't work with what we experience with what we know to be true uh, those kind of things ultimately we want to point back to Scripture for our truth for our foundation and we see that Scripture itself tells us things about reality that are obviously not true if the simulation theory is right. So scripture itself is always our, our end point. It's always our goal. It's always our foundation that, you know, we can, we want to logically think about these things. We want to reason our way through them, show the inconsistencies, the problems with them, but never divorce from or apart from what God has revealed to us in scripture, because that is our ultimate foundation and our ultimate starting point is what has God said about, in this case, reality? What has God said about creation? What does he tell us? And what does that information we receive from our creator that he's graciously given to us, what does that inform us about the question of, do we live in a simulation? And I think from scripture alone, it's obvious that we do not live in a simulation. So with that information, go, go out into the world, take the gospel of Jesus with you. Remember that Christ is king Christ is Lord. Reality is real. We're not a computer program. You're not Neo. Uh, go take that message to the world. Have a great day, guys.